Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. can't value highly enough the relationships the intergenerational relationships and friendships that our children have and I get great joy if I see my children at church talking to older adults in the service a way of supporting each other in our parenting is by talking to their teenagers talking to their kids being interested in them and I know my children love it when someone else comes to talk to them and then that gives grounds for support and advice and wisdom and and it just slips into the conversation in a really natural easy way hello this is the faith in parents podcast i'm ed This is the last in a series that I've enjoyed very much and maybe you have too. And the feedback is encouraging that in churches, people are passing these around. Uh, You get to give these to those in your church, those friends you have who are going through a different age stage of parenting to you. We have made this series because we believe that broadly people become experts on the stage that they are just leaving and are then bewildered and confused by the next stage. Uh, I have a child about to leave primary school and heading into secondary school and my mind is mainly full of the things I wish I had done while he was at primary school and I'll never get to do now. Uh, So this podcast is trying to fix that. Uh, So perhaps your children are just heading to uni, uh, just leaving home, just starting a first job. This podcast is for you. What is the world of parenting and over 18 and can you even call it parenting? Uh, I'm delighted to have with me some great friends. Uh, Mark, could you start? Could you tell us a bit about your family and a bit about where you are? Um, Hi, Ed. Um, Yes, my name is uh, Mark Corbin. I'm married um, to Kate. I think we've been married um, nearly 25 years now. Um, So um, um, that's all very exciting, uh, that anniversary which is coming up. Um, And we have four children. Um, We have Tom, um, Jack, um, Daisy and and Joe. Um, Tom... Um, I'm going to show my weakness here. I think he's 22. Yeah. 22. That's good. Uh, So Tom's the oldest um, and Joe is the youngest. He's um, 16. And then Daisy and Jack are are in between um, at 18 and 19. 20. So technically three of your four are over 18, Mark. Yes. 
So in the best will in the world, we don't want to hear about Joe on this podcast, if that's, that's okay. All right. But I do have a podcast to offer you to know how to parent <laughs> Joe. You can listen to that afterwards. Uh, and Kate, can you just give us a feel? Um, uh, how does it feel, parenting over 18s? Will you, could you even dare to give us a, uh, a thumbnail sketch of each of those three children who are over 18 and what they're up to? Uh, yes, I can. So Tom has just finished university. Um, he came home in June. He managed to get himself a job and a flat, which totally uh, bemused us. We weren't expecting that at all. Um, his job starts in September, so we moved him into his flat uh, this weekend. Um, we, we can't quite believe it, but um, God has been gracious. And so that's very exciting to see him starting to do proper adulting. Um, Jack is about to go into second year university in Birmingham um, and Daisy will start at Edinburgh in September. Um, so Daisy is all over life, organised, keen, go get it. Jack spends most of his life pretty horizontal um, and Tom is also fairly horizontal unless football's involved. So then he's quite excited. Thanks, Kate. And um, thank you for being willing to share with us uh, you, you haven't yet done it, but maybe on this podcast you'll tell us a few stories about them. Uh, I do, I do know your children, so I can have, I can apologise to them afterwards, and, and I'm willing <laughs> to take the blame. Uh, Peter, can you tell us a bit about yourself, your family, where you are, and what you do for a living? Yeah, hi everybody, hi Ed. Uh, my name is Peter Dre. I'm based in Leeds, uh, married to Linda. Got two uh, boys who've not yet reached. Uh, the um, the age group we're thinking about today, Samuel's 10, Toby is 6. And yeah, for my day job, I work with the family of Christian unions, uh, UCCF, uh, working at the heart of, of universities and seeking to encourage uh, students to, to live and speak for Jesus there. So, Peter, could, could we start with you then? Um, over 18s, I, I'm not sure there's a limit, but probably this helpfully takes us to about 25. I'm I'm not sure we need to deal with how to parent a 54-year-old or a 44-year-old or, or me. But um, in this window we're thinking about over 18, uh, can you even tell us what they're like? Or is that even wrong in that they're all totally different so we shouldn't generalise? I mean, clearly there are lots and lots of differences between uh, people as, as they enter adulthood amongst young adults. But there would be some uh, common tendencies that, that you would see. Uh, often, I think it's during this period that as, as they emerge from childhood and into adolescence, you see more of their true colours. Um, I think certainly my experience when I was sort of 18, 19, was that a whole number of things that I'd held implicitly uh, to that point um, interests um, preferences but also issues of faith what I was going to do with Jesus suddenly moved from being kind of theoretical to uh, a kind of point where I had to decide whether or not I was going to continue this or not um, I actually remember during my university freshers week uh, we had uh, one of those conversations around toast late at night and there were these two third-year law students, and they they were very much, we, we weren't in awe of them. They were third years, and we were just freshers. And the conversation came round to, which religion are you? 
and uh, and the first person said, "Oh well, you know, I'm agnostic." Everybody, oh yes, sagely nodded. And the next person said, "Oh yeah, well, I think I'm probably agnostic as well." You know, everybody nodding along. Third person, yeah, I think I'm probably agnostic. I thought, I know where this is coming. Came round, everybody said that. I said, well, do you know what? I think I'm a Christian. And uh, these two thirdly year law students smelt blood. And, uh, and they just said, well, why are you a Christian? And the truth was um, that whilst I genuinely did have a love for Jesus, I'd never been asked that question before. Uh, I kind of stammered something out, um, but it wasn't very satisfying to anyone. They said, do you know what? The only reason you're a Christian is because your parents are Christians. And they said it with a glint in the eye. It wasn't mean, but they just said that is pretty pathetic. Now, what I should have said, and I've replayed this conversation many times in my head, is, well, you're probably only agnostic because your parents are agnostic. Um, but it, it really sent me into a... a, 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 a a process of thinking, what, to what extent do I want to carry through those things that have characterised my childhood and my own family life and to stand upon them today? And, and I think that's a key thing that goes on during this period. Thank you. Uh, Mark, can you, can you give us your perspective on um, what this age group is like? Uh, how, how is this age group different to under 18s? I, I would say it's a bit of a a mixed bag you know you're, you're you're dealing with a being that's half child and half adult it feels like sometimes um and you know being around you know my children um you know that there are lots of excitements but then you also do realize as a parent that they can be terribly selfish um you they can they can be terribly inconsistent so you have glimpses of them in your opinion doing the right thing and then you glimpses of them you know making decisions which you would never do making mistakes and and as a parent watching that is 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 quite painful um they're really frightened of missing out you know and and they're really obsessed around what other people are doing um and and you can see them i think really kind of battling out you know uh what what is it like to be a christian um in this world and you know what what defines them and i think the other thing which is you know very defining for them is relationships you know just um relationships um are so important to them um you know so i you know that helps you know um they take a lot of strength from the, the quality of their relationships and who they go with and who they seem with um, um, gives them a lot of security or insecurity as well. Okay. What are the, um, are there some surprises for you? Are there some uh, particular struggles you see? I think the struggles are, one of the struggles that we were talking about is that we have an expectation of them to go to university or to go out to work or whatever stage they're at. And they've got to go and be an adult and they've got to make those decisions and they've got to manage their finances and they've got to work out their timings and their schedule and know where to be when. And then they come home for holidays, which are quite long. And we sort of have an expectation for them still to behave like an adult, but they've got to fit in with family life. 
and be a child again, but not really a child because you don't really want them to act like a child, but you don't want them keeping their own schedule when they're at home. So they've got to fit in. And and so the struggle that I see that they have and also I have is trying to to not let that become attention. I fail at that every day in terms of it does become attention um, because they're adults, but they're ch- your children. And and it's hard. It's hard for them and it's hard for me. Hmm. A bit, I mean, the big struggle, Ed, is, is getting used to them wandering around in the middle of the night when you've got an important presentation the next day. Um, that, you know, and it feels like Piccadilly Circus just, just outside on the landing. And that, 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 is, um, that is, can be a bit tricky. What, what time, Mark? I was actually, in the last episode, we were talking to a mum who said, who told a story of her, her son having a holiday job. He had to be at there at eight and she knew he was going to bed between one and three every morning. And just just that the system of no, we're going to have to let him totally screw this up. And so yeah. what is the bedtime yeah. in your household at the moment, Mark? Well, uh, you know, me and Kate go to bed around half ten. Um, and then it it does kind of and and the odd time people everyone goes to bed at half ten, but that's few and far between. And then what you do is you have a steady stream between half ten and to in in the morning of you know various comings and goings the poor old fridge doesn't know what it's doing you know is it meant to be feeding or not feeding and you know things like packets of ham disappear in the night so it you know it it, it can be it can be frustrating and you know creaking of floorboards and you know having showers in the middle of the night you know is is it does do my head in i have to have to say I'm sorry that this is funnier than I expected it to be. It's very tempting only to ask questions about the humour of the Horribin household, but that won't move. That won't move our listeners forward a great deal. But I, I hope, I hope there's some element of compassion and understanding. And 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 clearly, what you're saying sounds totally normal to the rest of us. But we just hadn't thought through. This is what it's like. Peter, do do you have the beginning of an insight as as to what this, you know what parenting this age group is like, or even what the students think being parented is like? Do you, do you hear about that much? Yeah, I think Mark and Kate have already touched on on some of the themes. It's 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 an era in which um, young adults' self identity can crystallise and change quite a bit potentially over that period, and that does mean then renegotiating. Uh, relationships with parents. Um, I think that's true for those who don't go to university. It's also particularly true for those who do go to university. There was a really interesting study that was done a few years ago on the experience of being a fresher. And one of the things that uh, this study uncovered was that Christmas holidays are one of the most difficult periods to, to negotiate. Because often the student feels as though I've grown up um, I've got new responsibilities, I've made new decisions, and then they come home and they find themselves somewhat reverting to type. And certainly if they've not reverted to type, they feel that everybody else is treating them in just the same way before before they've gone away. And um, another study finds that the, the age at which you go to university or leave home, that's almost like the snapshot of how you think of people forever. Um and so, you know, I went to university at 18, my sister was 11. Even now, I have to fight not to treat my grown-up sister as being something of an 11-year-old. 
And it's almost as if, you know, the young adult leaves home, but there's an assumption that everything will pause at home and remain the same. But also parents will learn to have kind of somehow worked out that they need to start uh, relating to them as, as, as more like peers and less like children. Um, and so, yeah, you do see humour in this. Uh, the average person, average student is desperate to go home at Christmas um, and then comes back feeling somewhat frazzled, um, uh, just having kind of negotiated those those new things. And it's all around the things that you're saying, bedtimes, chores, washing. Um, it's the funny things often that become points of, of contention. Mm. And Peter, do you want to give us a start? in some insight as to how we manage that? I mean, I think a lot of it is to do with that word negotiation, to be honest. I think um, I I had a really fascinating conversation with um, a mum a few years ago whose children have all kind of been through this era and and come out the other side uh, with family life preserved and all of them loving the Lord. And she said, almost there are two eras that you need to think of parenting. And I realise this is somewhat simplistic, but she said, do you know, what? up until a certain age, you have to keep your children closer than they want to be in order to instill in them uh, what it means to, to grow up, to follow the Lord, but also just to, to live wisely. And then to some extent, you have to let them go further than than you want them to go. And I guess that's that's geographically true as, you know, people go off to study at university or get jobs away from you. But it's also somewhat emotionally true as well, um, as as you just think, do you know what? These aren't decisions that I would make for myself. I wouldn't choose this. But I also recognise that that you have a responsibility to be able to choose and, and, and an ability to be able to choose. And actually, this is part of how God is continuing to do that moulding of making you you and preparing you in, in advance for, for good works. The other thing which I, I guess I would mention here is that um, study after study suggests that today's young adults have better relationships with their parents than they have done for ages. And the reason for that is to do with messaging apps. Um, so WhatsApp, uh, Facebook Messenger, these sorts of things mean that a lot more information flows between parents and young adults than certainly would have done even even 10 years ago. The interesting thing is, though, that the relationship can then be characterised solely by the sort of thing that you would talk about on WhatsApp. So you'll talk about football, you'll talk, you know, there'll be good jokes and banter. The area where it's harder, actually, is to talk about things that you would never talk about on Messenger or or, uh, or WhatsApp. And that's where I think there there is skill in just, I guess, having conversations of wisdom. And that's hard, I think. Mm. Kate, can you then help us a bit with, or even tell us about, uh, Christian parenting? Uh, the, the, the times when you're, what, what have you decided is possible? What What is your goal? as a Christian parent with over 18s? I guess, I mean, our goal, it feels a little bit um, weak in that often our goal is that they've come to church with us on a Sunday. Um, You know, that I sort of wish my goal was higher than that, but then I'm friends with people who, if that happens, they'd be so delighted. So 
um, it feels like I'm starting small and most of our children do come to church. Our second son does go to church, but he's at the moment not coming to church with us um, just because he's left home and he's at uni and he goes to his own church. Um, so he's sort of struggling trying to put those two together. What does home church mean? Um, we we were very good at reading the Bible together as a family when they were young, but that's not we've been really rubbish at that um, in their sort of teenage years. Um, what we do do is if we're on a long journey going on holiday, we do do long journeys and we listen to podcasts um, and things like that. And then we're able to chat about it. And it's they're a captive audience. They can't get out of the car. So and we play it nice and loud. So they sort of have to unplug their earphones um, and they do listen. And sometimes they listen by accident and sometimes they listen because we've asked them to. I tend to find there's cert- certain children that if you ask them to, then they will deliberately not listen. So you sort of play it quite loud and it seeps through their headphones and they listen anyway without you, without them thinking that you wanted them to listen. And then you have a conversation about it and it may not happen straight away it sort of seeps into conversation three weeks later um and you take those opportunities and I think Ed a long time ago you gave me a book to read called Age of Opportunity which I read halfway through I felt very defeated by it if I'm honest I think you know that Ed um but actually the bit that I read that stuck with me is that we can't always be there where our children are making difficult decisions And so you constantly feed them um, truths and Christian ideas and ways of living and decision making processes so that when they are in those situations and you're not there, they are able to make those decisions for themselves. Um, And I think that's something that we have worked at. I don't think we're brilliant at it, but we've worked at it. Um, And I do see God honouring that and that whole concept of praying and trusting in God comes into play um, in that, in those situations. You, you both grew up in Christian homes, Mark and Kate. Yeah. Mark, how much do you think, how much do you think on your experience? How much is it totally irrelevant? I, I, I think it's, it is quite different. And I think for Peter, what Peter raised around, you know, use of whatsapp and things like that it's um you know we were always commenting on the fact that you know we're always trying to one of the kind of good parenting things is to try and encourage good christian relationships but what i've noticed also is that you can get support now from you know our friends you know who you know here in their mid-40s as well and and the world of social media allows you to um share some of the you know sometimes when you're not a parent you can be more challenging of a child and we found that our friends have been massive supports um to us um and supports to our children directly now when i was a child i would never think about rocking up to one of my father's friends to go and have dinner with him or go out for a walk with him Uh, and that seems to be a massive change in in this generation and, and a a very healthy one uh, and also you know it, it feels like as a parent you, you 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 do have some responsibility but others can can help you as well and i, I would say that was a kind of you know uh, a a big change from from when i was a, a child or an adult and kate if if 
as I hope, some people listen to this podcast before their kids are over 18. It sounds like one learning might be, and it's been a consistent message through this, is lean heavily throughout their lives into other people's lives. Build those friendships, because clearly it would be very strange if you now delivered your daughter to a friend of yours who she's not seen for 15 years and said, please speak wisdom into her life. You know, is that the, is that the story, Kate? You, you do think with, with those relationships have been there and... Yeah, absolutely. I think I can't I can't value highly enough the relationships, the intergenerational relationships and friendships that our children have. And, um, you know, we were reflecting as we were talking about this, all the different friendships that they have. So they have their own friendships and relationships, but then they are really happy hanging out with us and our friends and and I get great joy if I see my children at church talking to older adults in the service. And it reflected on me that actually um, what a way of supporting each other in our parenting is by talking to their teenagers, talking to their kids, being interested mm. in them. We can be a bit afraid of young adults. They look a bit scary sometimes and you can look at them and think, do they know who I am? And it's, of course they know, they've known you all their lives. Of course they know who you are, but they sort of dismiss you with a look. But, but they do know you and actually they are delighted if you take an interest in them and you listen to them. And it, it shows that you value them, that you remember them. Mm. And I know my children love it when someone else comes to talk to them, another parent that they've known all their life comes to talk to them and takes an interest. And, and then that, as you say, it gives grounds for support and advice and wisdom and and it just slips into the conversation in a really natural easy way and and i think it could be fun you know watching the euros with a mixed group of 18 20 20 year olds and you know some 50 year olds uh, and when england score and jumping around the room and you know throwing drinks around and stuff like that <laughs> you know it, it's a lot of fun and that those shared experiences become very strong and you know I think, you know, our children have really benefited from that, haven't they? Mm. Peter, uh, what what might be, do, do teenagers talk much about the, the experience of, of their parents? What might be some goals? How much, as we think about those other influences, and UCCF clearly is about being that positive Christian influence on students. Um, how How can parents helpfully think about that network? And, and equally, what is still their role? Yeah, I mean, I, I think what's been said about intergenerational relationships is is absolutely right. Um, there are certain things I think that this generation can learn from each other as they seek to, to navigate what it means to, to follow Jesus within this age group. Um, but there are certain things that they can only learn from others Um you know, in, in many ways, I think this generation probably have more information at their fingertips, but less wisdom. And, you know, I define wisdom as the sort of thing that you can't learn through Googling or watching a video on YouTube, but that you can only learn from kind of that seasoned walking through life. Um, and so, you know, I think I think that's key. I think um, when parents are sending their children off to university, not scaring them too much. It's quite a big thing. Um, there are all of these kind of scarce statistics about the proportion of those who've come from youth groups who don't make it through to the end of university. Most of those 
aren't really true. It is certainly true that that many who would self-refer as Christians when they leave school often don't self-identify as Christians by by the time they graduate. That's not generally true about those who who already have um, a personal commitment to Jesus. I think sometimes parents can send people into the workplace or into university and just give the impression that you will be lucky to still be a Christian in five years time, seven years time. And what that tends to do is it tends to to shrivel um, their love for Jesus, their trust in him. It actually makes it much harder for them to, to grow relationships with others inside the church and elsewhere. Um, and actually it doesn't give a kind of proactive vision of, of, of pursuing Christ that we would say is absolutely important for every other stage of discipleship. Um, so I think it comes from a really well-meaning place but actually ends up being quite harmful. Um, so I can think of a lad recently, he's come from a very strong Christian family. Um, his parents have taken an interest in what he's done at university, um, but he was reflecting back, I think he was talking about, he'd, he'd been in a sermon on Romans 5, which had really won his heart, phoned his parents up and just said, oh, do you know what Romans 5 is about? And they could have said, yeah, of course we know what Romans 5 is about. But the response that they gave almost, you know, just... Um, honoured him as an adult, honoured uh, what he was discovering and and was a massive encouragement to him. I think the other thing where uh, relationships more broadly can be helpful um, is an era of vocation as well. So often this is a time in which um, young adults are beginning to just work out what they're good at, what they want to spend the rest of their lives doing. And encouraging them to understand what it means to go into their sphere of work or their sphere of passion um, as a Christian is, is, is massively helpful. And when we can link young adults up with somebody else who is within that field, who is pursuing Jesus there, that can, I think, make all the dis- difference from seeing their degree or their future work as something merely to endure or as a place in which they can go in with optimism think this is my area of worship and I can expect my faith in Jesus to make to make a difference here. Mark and Kate, what what techniques are there? Have you found any for these conversations of imparting wisdom? Um what what doesn't work? Uh <laughs> what what makes you say to one another, let's not do that again. Um well, I've got a few of those, Ed, I have to say. What doesn't work is joining your son's Christian union from afar and then telling him when he should be pitching up <laughs> to which meeting. That that doesn't work at all. And I can be as enthusiastic about some of the events that are taking place at university, but um, that, that, that actually sends them in, in, in the opposite direction. I think an, a good technique is to encourage um good christian relationships so you know we 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 would say we would be you know we would take a few risks perhaps and perhaps throw a party here at home and get them to invite their peer groups and provide free beer and things like that and that to, to you know to attract a crowd like that i think is you know a good thing to do it feels a bit risky because you're you still you feel responsibility for other people's, you know, young adults as well. So I had a moment this this summer when 
a few of my children and some other children were playing beer ping pong in the back garden. And I was thinking, is this really a good idea? But actually, what was really great is that, you know, it, it created, you know, a really kind of massive crowd. Everyone enjoyed it. And it was a lot of fun. And it was a really kind of wonderful shared experience of, wasn't that a great night? Let's do it again. Let's get together. Um, you know, I, I think that was, you know, you've got to be careful, but that that would seem to be a, a sensible technique as well. Thank you. Kate, having conversations? Yeah, I think what doesn't work is um, where you see that they're struggling with something and coming in directly with the answer. Um, that just also sends them in the opposite direction. So, um, and I do that too often. I have too much to say and I think I know too much. And so I have to bite my tongue. It's often what you don't say. It's the rather ask a question about what, what options do you have in this scenario? How should, how, what are your choices in how you respond to this person or this scenario? Um, so it creates a conversation rather than a diktat from mum about what the right thing to do is. Um, and, and lots and lots of listening. I think, you know, listening, we just don't do it enough. I don't do it enough listening to actually what they're saying rather than hearing something, think you know what the situation is um, and then jumping in with a, mm. with an answer that is completely irrelevant um, rather than listening to how they're feeling about something, empathising with that feeling and then talking and asking questions about how to respond or how to behave or how to make that decision um, and what the next step might be. And then praying with them, I mm. think, you know, often I'm far too slow at saying, that's really tricky. Let's pray. Let's pray about that because God does know the answer to that and God can help you through that. And it might not go the way you want it to, but he is sovereign. So mm. let's pray to him. Um, I, I think that's right. I think one of the things, it's not a tool or a technique, but is actually to realise that God really is in control rather than just, you know, pretending because he is you know i've got a great example of that you know i was very humbled by it this this summer where my eldest child tom you know because of lockdown spent a lot of time on the xbox and to me that didn't feel like a, a good way of spending time um you know didn't seem to be getting out very much and you know i was i was a little worried for him i have to say um but you know in that situation you know god did prove that he was in control because through the Xbox, he rekindled some old Christian relationships, which have been really uplifting and building him up. And Tom's now left home. And actually those guys he played the Xbox on with are now living with him in East London. And, and that really is, you know, for me, extraordinary. That's something which I thought was, wasn't great. You know, God demonstrated that he was in control and actually something like the Xbox, you know, could give birth to some very healthy relationships and, you know, perhaps some lifelong relationships. I was, I was very humbled by that, you know, because I think sometimes as a parent losing control, thinking you know what's best, um, thinking about your prescribed way of what's best for your young adults um, isn't always true because, you know, God is in control and he knows best. Thank you, Mark. Peter, um, 
you you must spend your life having conversations with students and <laughs> look i'm going to make the assumption that crossing generations is 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 harder than talking to your own age group even if you don't know them in that there, there are differences um w- would you want to give parents some help in uh, in how you cross that gap now they know their children very very well that that must be a huge that must be massive and and for you are there other things you think you would say i think um it's been really clear on the difference between what's right and wrong and what is a preference. So, you know, in some ways it's amusing, but the number of students I've spoken to have been really worried about how parents will respond to a haircut or to a piercing or a tattoo. And I think, um, I think, you know, the best parents are are able to distinguish between, I would not choose that myself and that is wrong <laughs> and i'm not going to let this go i think that's that is really hard but being able to to distinguish between preference and kind of moral black and white is something that's key um i think being able and and sometimes that's very hard so sometimes parents will respond very negatively to a relationship ending um because they really liked the girl or the boy that uh, one of their children was going out with and they've decided to end the relationship. And sometimes they, they put undue pressure. I can think of an example from recently. They put undue pressure on one of their children to, to sustain the relationship. Very hard at that point to say, I might have a preference, but, but it's their responsibility to, um, to, 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 to make the choice there. Um, so I think preference, um, would be a key thing. I think uh, neither over-parenting, um, as as uh, Mark and Kate have been talking about, nor thinking that, you know, I'm just going to totally cut my child adrift now, but being able to, um, to ask questions, um, to be encouraging, uh, to show that you're for them, uh, goes a huge long way there as well. And I think the other thing I would say is to just be aware. I mean, I, I'm not yet at this stage of parenting myself, but I can already see how easy it is to attach aspects of my own identity to how my children are doing, or even to somewhat, to some extent, to try and live my dreams through my children. And and it, that is just so frustrating um, to to those who are in, in young adulthood. Um, for them to, to recognise that, you know, within the body of Christ and just as human beings, we are all different. We have different vocations, different possibilities. God will prepare us all for different works that he uh, has got in advance for us to do. And the fact that that may be different from parents to children is not only OK, but that's also God's design as part of the diversity that he's brought to our families um, and, and to the church as well. Thank you. Mark. Can you tell me, um, what, what do you find the hardest? Uh, when have you felt like um, you're at your limits? Um, and and, and how do you get by? I think the hardest is, is watching your children make mistakes. And they don't do them quickly. It's very predictable. It's like a very slow car crash. 
you you know how this is going to begin and you know how it's going to end and you can provide them advice and support but the car crash is still ongoing um and I, I do find that very difficult and you know I also find find it difficult to understand that yeah actually the Christian walk is quite a long journey and there will be ups and downs you know there will be times where you know it looks like you know your child is drifting away and that as a parent is um, very sad and very difficult um, and then there'll be other times when it looks like you know they're you know sailing at you know full speed um, then only to hit a rock along the way so it's that kind of up and down thing which I think is very difficult to navigate as a parent and trying to be there at all times uh, in support um, and being consistent and being encouraging of your child and not you know my natural tendency is to criticize and to tell them what they should have done at the beginning or oh, I told you so you know and actually to be to wipe that away like Jesus wipes our sin away and be encouraging uh, of them to keep going um, in their kind of Christian lives. Okay, say, same question. Um, yeah, I mean, similarly, really, I think um, stretched in grace. I think um, at this stage, they, I mean, all through childhood, all through their lives, they need grace, as we all do. Um, but it just feels that that, you know, one day they will make a really good decision and you'll be so encouraged and excited and think that they've nailed it and they're on the right walk and they're following Jesus. And then the next week they'll make a really terrible decision and they'll start going out with that non-Christian. And uh, even though the week before they were spouting off to a sibling that, you know, why would you do that? That's so ridiculous. And so, um, and that's really hard. And yet you have to be full of grace and love and encouragement and as Mark said, be there to pick up the pieces without the I told you so's. Um, and so the only way to keep doing that, because I can't do it myself, is to remember how much grace, you know, God shows me. And that actually that's how I treat God all the time is I make a good decision and then I make a bad decision and I do the selfish thing and do the thing that pleases me rather than him. Um, so... Yeah, Grace, I think. Thank you for your honesty. Uh, Peter, last question. How could we support others in our churches? And I, I think we've actually touched on this a lot. So it, it might be there's nothing new to say. but um, and, and I think in this particular stage of parenting, we're definitely saying how do we support the children as well as the parents? But how can we do that, Peter? I think partly it's to realise that there are lots of complicated emotions that are taking place on the part of the parents and of the children, that this is a period of renegotiating, renegotiating identity of individuals, but to some extent renegotiating just what family life exactly looks like as well. Um, I think within our churches, it means um, even when people are out of sight, ensuring that they're not out of mind, so praying for them, um, when students get post from home, real life post, they love it. And, you know, when that comes from parents, that's amazing. When it comes from somebody else in the church family, that's all the more amazing because it reminds them that 
they really are part of a big Christian family that, that Jesus is, is building together. And for some of them, that can be just the biggest spur imaginable. Um, I think it does mean that um, as, you know, in our churches, we um, see people who are back for university holidays or who are back from work, um, not treating them as the 18-year-olds when they were left, but being able to afford them the honour, which goes with just that slightly later uh, part in life stage is, is quite a key thing. And I think it does mean that when we come to supporting parents, um, particularly probably for the first couple of years of going into this stage, praying with them, listening to them, um, and recognising that to some extent our own sense of identity is is changing as well. I think it, it it is one sort of thing to think of yourself as a parent when your children are close. It's much harder when you're a parent but but a key aspect of your identity isn't something that is reinforced each day through through those relationships and um so lots of uh, what we've talked about lots of care lots of questions lots of prayer and i think what mark said of of remembering that the lord is in control that ultimately i think lots and lots of fears can bubble to the surface during this era both for children and for parents but being able to think actually fear very rarely helps us to make wise decisions, either as children or as parents, and instead to be able to cast our anxieties on the Lord who, who cares for us um, is, a, is a great reminder. I'm very grateful, uh, Peter, for your wisdom and your experience, and I'm very grateful, Mark and Kate, for being honest about the situations now. Um, Kate, before you pray, could I just uh, say, ask, sorry, um, for, for I asked this in the previous episode too. It, it might be that in this stage, a parent really feels like the ship has sailed, it's gone. The, the conversation isn't happening. And, and they, you know, we can all imagine a number, what it looks like if it's gone really wrong. Could you just help us, Kate, as best as you can with, do, do you just have some thoughts on that? What you would say to a friend who is in that situation? Um, I, I do have friends in that situation. And I think what I try to say is that what Mark said, it's a long game. And I think the foundations that have been put in place when they are very young um, do, do, are important and often are revisited by those children. And so I always remember somebody saying to me when my children were very young, it's a, uh, I think it's a quote from a Jesuit priest who said give me a child until they're five and I'll give you the man and I have sort of held on to that because there have been times throughout my children's lives where I've sort of thought it's all going wrong I'm a rubbish parent I don't know what I'm doing I don't know I don't know how to turn this around or change it um but I I do think that those foundations from the really early days are strong and I also think God is sovereign and we all walk a journey of getting to know him and and I have to remember what I was like at their age. And I was flaky, you know, I, but I look back and I was always a Christian. I know I was a Christian then, but if you were looking in on my life, you might not have seen that. And so, um, so that gives me hope because I look in at my children's lives and I'm not entirely sure because we only judge by what we see and by their actions. And, 
Um, so I, I, it's trusting God, it's praying to God, it's God's work and God's word is, does not come back in vain. Is that the right word? I don't know. Um, it is alive and working and active. And so those, I think those foundations from the early years are important. I think continuing to pray for your children is the only answer. Um, and trusting that he is sovereign and he will do his work and there's no guarantees but we have to hold on to that Kate would you pray that we would do that thanks I will Father God we thank you so much for the young people that you have placed in our care thank you for the gifts that you've given them thank you for the joy that it is to parent them thank you for the ways that they show all the things that they have learned through their lives. We pray that you would give us as parents and as those who are working alongside them wisdom and grace and love and kindness as we uh, talk to them, as we listen to them, as we walk life alongside them. Father, may we acknowledge your sovereignty in all that we do. May we commend our children and the children we're in contact with into your loving arms and may you deal with them with great grace and kindness and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. I, I want to share how encouraged it's been for me through these uh, episodes to know that there are some themes that don't change. Uh, I think uh, I, I think back to the episode we did on pregnancy and, and fear and anxiety uh, and the advice to come back to our loving Lord who is caring and nurturing and in charge. And it is striking to me that while as a parent, we probably are familiar with one of these episodes and the stories and the difficulties and the issues and the trauma, uh, we do see a constant message at every age is we as the parent know our children better than anyone else. Our Lord loves them more than we do. He is in charge. He is caring and his grace is sufficient because each stage of parenting probably feels insurmountable. It, it probably feels beyond us. And it is, it is the normal Christian story to say it is beyond me. It is beyond us. Uh, I'm very grateful to you. Uh, I hope uh, those listening have found this useful. Uh, you know where our website is, faithinkids.org. You know how to email us at podcast at faithinkids.org. Uh, and you know how to give to us. You go to our website, donate is there. Peter, if we wanted to start supporting UCCF, there must be a way we could do that. Oh, totally. The easiest thing is to head to uccf.org.uk. And there's a little tab there for supporters that will allow you to pray informally, know what's going on and support in other ways as well. And that might be one way parents of over 18s can support their kids, Peter. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you very much, Kate and Mark. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>